0: This is Transistor.fm.
1: Hey, how's it going? Justin Jackson here, and this is the Product People Show. Man, I haven't put out an episode in a while. I have a bunch recorded, but I haven't had time to edit them and just put them out. I've just been slammed, haven't had time or energy for anything, it's uh, crappy at work, we're dealing with this anti-Canadian anti-spam legislation right now, man, that is a lot of work if you are sending email in Canada, and uh, then at home there's just always stuff to bring the kids to, appointments and classes and activities, so I've been drained, you know. And you ever feel like that? I used to get a lot of stuff stuff done in the morning, uh, early in the morning or late at night, but these days I just barely get myself into bed and barely get myself out of bed in the morning. Anyway, I'm hoping to put an end to this product people drought and start releasing new episodes every Thursday now. So subscribe and watch for a new episode every Thursday. And on that topic... I've got a landing page up for something new. It's called Product People Club. Go to productpeople.club on the internet and sign up for the waiting list because I'll have something to announce soon. Productpeople.club. Okay, so ages ago I interviewed Sean Fiorito. Fiorito? I have a hard time saying his last name, but he's the author of Sketching with CSS.com. And I like Sean a lot. He's from Chicago. He struggled for years trying to build his own products. Then he wrote this book, Sketching with CSS.com, and it just took off. So if you've ever struggled, if you've ever had products that you tried to launch and they didn't work, this episode's for you. You'll get to hear his story. By the way, this interview is available in full video in my upcoming book, Marketing for Developers. Go to justinjackson.ca slash marketing for developers for more information. Okie dokie, Smokey, let's get to the interview with Sean. Sorry, one more thing. A lot of you know that I'm really into heavy metal. My favorite band, Striker, has allowed me to use some of their tracks here on the podcast This is Land of the Lost. You can get it at striker-metal.com. Hey, it's Justin Jackson and I am here with Sean (laughs) Fioriti, I knew I was going to get that wrong, Sean Fiorito. Fiorito, Fiorito. man, I'm here with Sean, Sean is the author of Sketching with CSS at sketchingwithcss.com, hey Sean, how's it going? Going good, how are you? I'm doing good, doing good, doing good, sorry I messed up your last name. That's okay, everybody (laughs) messes up my last name. (laughs) Fiorito. That's right. Yeah, you got it. Nailed it. <laughs> the problem is when you're under pressure. Yeah. It changes everything, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. You know, I did an interview for Sketching with CSS with um, and now see, I'm I'm gonna have to say his name at Nick DeSabado. and I I was like, I could not say his name right. It took me like three times, and then we and then I finally got it, and then we started recording, and then I said it wrong, like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it oh, happens yeah. to the best of us. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, guys! Um, I've been really intrigued about sketching with CSS. It's uh, it's a book. Uh, maybe I can actually I'll just show a quick screen grab of it here, because um, there it is right there. And uh, I you've done quite well with this. How, can you share a little bit of revenue numbers? How how well has this done since you launched it? I just
0: went over twenty thousand dollars in in revenue. And wow you know it's not like i spent a lot <laughs> so so that's mostly profit
1: that's awesome and it looks like you've got uh a few packages here or is it just one package no it's a few
0: yeah three packages blatant copy of uh, nathan berry's setup
1: yeah and that's and that's worked well for you
0: yeah absolutely
1: perfect well let's get into um first of all maybe let's just get into your background are are you um what were you doing before you you built sketching with CSS?
0: Um yeah, so I'm a web developer. Um let's see. I'm a computer science major um and then I, I after that I, I spent um a couple years at uh, Accenture doing IT consulting, you know. Um big enterprise software stuff. Um and then after that I, I spent the last five years at a place called McMaster Car, which is um an industrial supply company. That was an interesting place to work. It was uh you've either you've either never heard of them or you've heard of them and you and you love them. Um uh I learned they're actually a pretty big pretty big company. Um and so I you know, I got to work on their their website um primarily doing front end development stuff for them. You know, okay, of
1: stuff. But yeah, cool. so
0: just a regular full time developer.
1: So, and what what got you interested in building your own products?
0: Well, so that's something that I've wanted to do um, forever. And in fact, the I, I've spent the <laughs> one of the reasons I left Accenture. So Accenture was a, a great job, but it was just a lot a lot of hours consulting. is just a ton of hours, and I I always wanted to do my own, start my own company, um, build my own products. And I I was, the plan was to have a a job and then in my spare time work on products until I could get to the point where I was making enough money with products to to quit the job. Um, Accenture wasn't affording me enough time to do that, so I I went and found another job. Um, And that's what McMaster let me do. McMaster was... uh, Thirty-five to forty hours a week, always. It was really, really consistent, kind of boring nine-to-five job. But I, I got all this spare time to spend on on products, which I did. And I went through in my spare time, you know, uh, for those five years. I think I probably tried five or six different different things, um, mostly software.
1: Okay. Can you can you give us an idea of what you tried?
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see. So. First thing I did was like a productivity app. It was, uh, it's so I gotta say, like none of these were good ideas at all. It was, it's all kind of embarrassing now looking back at it. But um, you know, it was like a productivity web application. I did that with a friend. My friend actually moved, quit his job, and moved to Chicago and lived with me and my wife for a year, um, so that we could work on that. Um, that that did not pan out. And then uh, let's see, what else did I do? Um, there's there's another uh, collaboration app it was like email based project collaboration i thought it was a cool idea um you know instead of using project management web application use email and it basically just kind of um sucks out the project data from behind the scenes i i thought that was a pretty cool idea but that went nowhere uh and then i did the one well, the one thing that i did that actually had any traction at all was this um uh, it was for it was a very niche application, so it was for PR agencies to do media monitoring. So that's yeah. kind of part of what P- PR agencies do is for clients, is they keep an eye out on the web for what's going on and um, for, you know anytime anybody mentions something about their clients. So my app made it easier for them to use um, Google Alerts, basically. So it was like filtered Google Alerts. Yeah. So that got some traction. Um, I could have maybe turned that into a business. I, I could have, actually, in retrospect. But at that point, that had been several years, and there's a couple other ideas in there that, that didn't go anywhere at all. There was, like, a church website building app, and, like, a, I don't know, but, you know, a bunch of bad ideas. Uh, I was pretty burned out, and the PR agency thing, the problem with that was, like, I didn't really want to work with PR agencies. I just had... I didn't know anything about the industry. I didn't... I just, you know, it got boring pretty fast, so... <laughs> So I gave up uh, I just bailed on it and I open sourced it and I moved on.
1: Yeah. Now there's a few things there I want to touch on because um, on the surface, you know, none of those sound like ridiculous ideas. Like they sound like reasonable, like, you know, like yeah. there's nothing. So what what was it about them that didn't work out? You said the last one, um, you know, maybe could have been something. And I think maybe the first thing we can bring out is uh, this, this has come up over and over again you kind of have to like, especially your customers. <laughs> so, uh, so in that sense, it was reasonable, but you didn't really like the customers as much. Um, what do you think it was about the other things? Like, those seem like reasonable ideas. Why didn't they pan out? Uh,
0: well, because they didn't start with a customer first. Um, so, so, this is tricky. It's... I was actually um, really into the whole lean startup thing when that when that came out, mm-hmm. um, and and I still I still think there's merit merit to that whole that whole thing. But like for I mean for example, I started with one other guy the lean startup meetup in Chicago. Like in the first meetup was like four of us in a <laughs> in a bar. Like yeah, uh, it, I was really really into that whole idea. And the idea with that is you know you do customer validation or you get a, a product validation, idea validation. You 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 gotta you take your idea and then you gotta see you gotta talk to people and and validate it. Um, so in in retrospect, I think the problem was that I think that's like backwards. Um, I would never do it that way again. I would never start with an idea um, and then you know like people have this like, this thought that that you're gonna have this like cool idea. And then uh, you're, gonna, you're gonna build it, and then you know you just all you have to do is find customers for it, and that's totally the wrong wrong way to do that. Uh, if you're uh, well, if you're a bootstrapper, but even even you know with other kinds of companies, but mm-hmm. um, if you're a bootstrapper, especially that's wrong because you just don't have time to waste doing that stuff. Um, And there are all kinds of pitfalls you run into as well. So, like, with the project collaboration app. So, first of all, I was building this project collaboration app with no idea whatsoever of what customer I had, which, in retrospect, it's like, I don't know what the hell I was thinking with that. But, like, how do you... It's like the project collaboration app that anybody can use for any project to help, you know, improve your workflow. Like, that's, that's... Impossible to market. Impossible to like actually build a nice, clean, you know, app that's going to solve a problem for somebody. It's just impossible to go from that direction. So okay, then we discovered the lean startup thing, and we started doing customer um, interviews. Yeah. So first of all, I don't even know how I ended up. We started looking at. Um, we tried a bunch of different kinds of people we thought might be good fit for the, uh, um, for this. So what we ended up doing was going with um uh nonprofit um development organizers. So like there's a role in nonprofits where they they basically organize the fundraising and all of that. And that yeah um so that the reason that worked well for us was I could run Facebook ads pretty easily and get interviews pretty easily with these people because I could just put their job title in the Facebook ad and then you know offer twenty bucks. So I think that's yeah. honestly that's why we went with that. So like I started talking to them uh, I did probably thirty, forty interviews, you know, and uh, I got better at them. And I, you know, I started asking people if they'd pay for it, and I would ask, you know, I'd ask what I thought was ridiculous amounts of money for them to pay. So I did all the stuff um, that you're supposed to do. <laughs> I guess the moral of the story here is there's a lot of different failure modes that you can that, that you can go through, and I pretty much hit all of them. Like, in, in this case. There's just no way that I was going to take <laughs> – that I was going to, like, backwards fit onto – so here's here are all the problems with this, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nonprofits. Nonprofits, they do have a budget, but, like, they're not really thinking that way. They're really looking for um, freebies, handouts, stuff like that. Like, yeah. you know, uh, and that's fine, <laughs> but that's not, you know, not a great – Customer to pick for your business, so there's that. Yeah. Uh, the other problem was, you know, a, a collaboration app is like, what is that solving? Like, I didn't even know what problem I was solving. So, like, and how was I going to write marketing copy and blog posts? And you know, how was I going to create my marketing for nonprofits? That's just way too vague, way too big, way too. It's just way too huge. So, that whole thing ended up petering out because of problems with my co-founder. But really problems with my co-founder were happening because we were having problems with the business because nobody was buying it and like we didn't know what we were doing with it and it was vague and undefined and like it was hard to know if we were making progress. So like really I think it failed because you know we started with this idea first rather than starting with customers.
1: Yeah. And that I mean that's something that I see a lot. It, you know, I get a lot of email from people that are building things. And kind of the 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 thing a lot of people say is, I built this thing, now how do I find customers?
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're doomed. Like, as soon as I hear that, I'm like, oh, you're doomed.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and so what did you do next? So once you figured this out, once you figured out this is not working, what did you do that ended up, like, maybe take us through sketching with CSS? Like, how yeah. did that happen?
0: Yeah, so sketching with CSS. Um, so I gotta give Amy Hoy and Thirty by Five Hundred credit for you know for giving me the uh, the right framework and structure for working with and creating products. Basically, the main thing that I figured out with with that class. Um, and this is even before i took the class was that you can't start with uh, you can't start with an idea like that's just i don't know how to put this it's like a it's sort of a self-centered way of doing product development like it's all about me 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 like my idea when you start to see it that way you realize like you're not really helping other people like really uh it's about empathy for your customers and like really, really, really understanding and getting into like what your customers uh, problems are. So, yeah. So I, I was reading a, you know, a bunch of Amy Hoy's blog posts uh, and that's when I sort of had that epiphany, uh, which she, you know, handed to me on a platter. It's not like it. <laughs> she, she, she says this over and over again. Um, so I couldn't take the class actually, uh, at that point because she was like changing the format or something. Um, I was pretty desperate to take the class. So I actually I ended up reverse engineering it by finding every single thing that she'd ever written ever about it and p- pulling that all together and then also getting in touch with a bunch of 30 by 500 alumni and and, and asking them questions. And uh, a lot of those people are still my my friends mm-hmm. and, and mentors. So sketching with CSS was actually created before I took 30 by 500 just by... But I sort of created the class for myself, um, so that. But that was like the real turning point in the way I think about things, and everything else that came after that starts with that basic understanding of starting with customers first. Because yeah. one of the other things that one of the, one of the things she said that just convinced me that she you knew what she was talking about was um, that that if you don't start with a customer, you probably will end up with customers you don't like. Like that needs to be a part of your decision process when you're creating a. A company and a product is, you know, um, your customer or audience, as as she calls it. So,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I knew that from. I had just wrapped up that whole PR agency thing, where I was yeah. like, finally, I made a product that people would definitely pay for. Um, and now I, you know, I hated my. My audience or at the I very know. least I didn't hate them, but I just like I didn't know how to talk to them or write about you know PR stuff or I had this blog for them but I was like i never I don't know what to write I'm not a PR person you know I'm not yeah. I'm not in that industry so
1: yeah and I think this came up in some other interviews I've had too is people don't realize like you're go especially if you're marketing you're gonna to have to be talking to these people every single week mm-hmm. and the the idea of um you know, one thing that comes up a lot is I'm building a, you know, people build products for real estate agents. And I think there's some there's reasons behind this. I think because everyone knows a real estate agent. Right. Um, you know, there's probably some psychology around that. But the idea, like, you're going to have to be reaching out to real estate agents every single week. And that's kind of a grind, even if, you, if you're if you passionate about it. Sometimes yeah. it's a grind to do content. Imagine <laughs> talking to them every single week. Uh and maybe we don't always project forward enough when we're thinking about ideas, you know, like this is something I have to do for a long time and it's going to be a lot of work.
0: Right. And, you know, there's another thing, you know, that I, um, so I'm actually going to be, for my next product, I'm going to be changing my audience a little bit, you know, not not a, a massive change, but but a little, because, you know, with this, with Sketching with CSS, I was talking to web designers, and I'm not a web designer, I'm a web developer. And, I mean, that that whole thing is really blurry, but, like, Really, sketching with CSS is for people that, you know, have been just doing mostly Photoshop and not and not code. You're, the closer you are to that, the more value you get out of it. Yeah. Um, the problem there is that I could not relate with that. Like, I didn't come from that direction at all. I came to web, the web and web design, you know, from the opposite direction, from coding. Um, yeah. And so that's really hard when you go to write marketing copy. It's really hard then to write stuff that's going to resonate with people and you're not but it's much easier it's almost like a, you're hacking the whole marketing copy thing if it's you know you're part of the audience i mean that's not a that's not the final answer you can't it's not you know you, there's still work you have to do you still have to do research but it's so much harder when when you're not a part of the audience so that you can even go even further and say yeah you have to like them and you, it's even easier your your life is going to be so much easier if you're part of the audience too
1: yeah, and maybe let's talk a little bit about that specifically. How did you choose the audience for sketching with CSS? Like, how did, why did you decide on that group first?
0: So, um, I I wanted to. Uh, well, I. So the way you should pick an audience is you should think about, and I'm going to say audience, um, but I mean I mean customers. Um, you yeah, know, not customers yet, but.
1: Um, target market.
0: Right, right. The the way you should pick that market is by uh, picking a, people that have money that buy things <laughs> that buy tools. Um, so that's kind of like step one. You should also like them um, and and be able to relate with them. Um, For, for web designers, it was also where I, I, I was thinking web designers. I thought my thinking was at the time I could bring more value to web designers than web developers because, like, as a developer, I have that skill set which I could bring to the table for designers. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's true, but it, like I said, I, that ended up kind of, you know, biting me. It was a little bit harder to to relate. A lot of people think I'm a web designer now because of, <laughs> because of my copy and, and the book. Um, so, I, you know, in that respect, I did succeed, but it was a lot of work to do that. So so that's another thing. Um,
1: so you you just named three things. I think you named three things. One was they have to have money. Two is yeah. you have to like them and be able to relate with them. And I think you're saying three, it's even better if you're... In that group, yes.
0: If you're in the group yourself, absolutely. And not only do they need to have money, they need to show that they buy things. Mm. <laughs> That's it's kind of a two parter. Uh, yeah. So businesses, like people that have a business mindset, there's a huge difference between consumer mindset and, and business mindset.
1: Um, business explain is- that. Explain that a little bit, because I think well, that 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 line for some folks, it, it, when especially when we're talking about ideas. Yeah. Because I think those of us that get a lot of emails from people see these patterns a lot and and people don't realize that we're seeing these patterns, so like that real estate thing comes up over and over again with uh people that email me and people that email others I know mm-hmm. uh The other thing that comes up a lot is is uh going after consumer markets right. and um so what do you mean by a business mindset? What is a business mindset? How's it different than a consumer mindset uh. <laughs>
0: So I'll just I I can only offer some anecdotes. I what I what I've experienced is so the, I I I've priced the book. I mean the the highest package is 250 and then the book itself is 40 bucks. Um and someone with a consumer mindset is going to come to that page and sort of flip out at at the price, right? But from a business mindset, you go through more of this sort of thought process. Um it's the it's the it's basically the way that somebody thinks about uh, the the purchase and the product. They're they're going to think probably, and um, they're going to think like okay, okay, so I'm going to spend 250 bucks on this, but I can give it to all my developers or all my designers, um, and they're going to think about return on investment. Like how fast am I going to get this money back from 250 bucks? Or like would this save everybody enough time if I you know if I if I bought this, so consumers, a consumer mindset. You're not really thinking about that. You're, I don't even, I can't talk to what people are, what consumers are thinking, or, but I, yeah. I know that it's so much easier when somebody is thinking about um, how much money a product is going to make them or save them.
1: Yeah, the example. Yeah, the example I use in the book is I think I say think about, and we can use two hundred and fifty dollars as an example. Think about what that means for you as a consumer spending 250 bucks. Like a 250 dollar purchase is a major purchase, right? right? Now think about a business and unfortunately, anyone that doesn't have a company credit card or has never kind of dealt with that doesn't kind of understand this, but anyone with a company credit card, like I buy tons and tons of software for the company I work for. Anytime you have a company credit card, literally anything under, it's either 500, 1000 or 1500 dollars, that's usually the limit is is there's no questions asked. <laughs> like you can literally purchase something like that and no one cares because as a percentage of their budget, so $250 as a percentage of my monthly budget is a fair amount, but $250 as a percentage of a business's budget, even if they have five or ten employees, is very small. And so if your web designers, in your case, are costing you whatever it is, $50, $100 an hour and you've got four of them and you think you can save an hour worth of time at least with 250 bucks? well, you've already saved your money, right? Done. Right, exactly,
0: exactly, yeah, and $250 is... It's just nothing. It's not, it's first of all, yeah, that's the first thing to a business, $250, a business that's actually making money, which is the kind that you want as customers. Yeah. $250 is not not a lot of money. But even still, like, even if you think about freelancers, because that sort of thinking, like thinking about people having, you know, business cards to buy things, rules out freelancers and um, consultants um, who don't necessarily have that. But they still are more inclined to think with that business investment mindset and $250 yeah. again okay I'm a freelance web designer right now I do Photoshop designs and I but that limits the number of the kinds of clients that you can have um, yeah. if you are all of a sudden you know you can you can create prototypes and concepts you can click on and like you can work better with a front end developer that's those are those kinds of people are in more demand you could probably double triple your rates and like in a couple hours make back the money that you spend on the book you know, so yeah. really, with stuff like info products, when you're when you're teaching somebody that the thing that I I think you got to factor in more is less the cost and more the time and being respectful of people's time because that's actually worth more than the money that they're going to end up spending on the book. It's the time they're going to spend, you know, reading and working through your stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that idea. That the other um, I've been thinking a lot about why people switch from a pro- one product to another, um, and uh, there's a lot of kind of thinking around this with the jobs to be done framework with Clayton Christensen. Mm-hmm. And one thought is, and I've seen this anecdotally, especially with freelancers, is they, they might be thinking they've got options, right? So they could go back to school and learn what you're going to teach them. They could go to a conference or a workshop and learn what you're going to teach them, or they could buy your book. And I think that's actually a decision that a lot of people make a lot is, well, what should I do? Should I go to this conference? The ticket's 1,500 bucks, the airline's gonna cost me 1,000, and then I'm gonna have to have a hotel and food. Wow, I'm up to a lot of money there. Uh, and, you know, so they might be up to, you know, three or $4,000, and your book is $250. It's, it's, a, it's a choice. I can I can do this, or I can switch to this. And right. it's still doing the same job. I need to learn this so I can triple my rate, like you said. Uh, that was actually a great marketing copy that you're just speaking, right? Like you're saying, if if you buy this book in an hour, you could probably double or triple your rate. Like that's that would be that could be a line on a page, right? If right. you buy this book, you could double or triple your rate in an hour, right. um, and those are the kinds of things people react to, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's one. That's one of the one of the strategies that you could take with with your marketing copy. That's not what I did actually with mine. But yeah, you could totally do that. I think Brennan Dunn actually. Have you have you interviewed him?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I've talked to him lots.
0: Yeah, he's he's his marketing copy is all about that. With his um, double your, I think his book title is even double your freelance rate. Yeah, he's yeah. much. He's very good at that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now maybe let's talk a little bit because I. <laughs> what kind of customers did you end up getting? So did you end up getting freelancers? Did you end up getting people buying with the corporate credit card? And were you able to kind of figure out why? Like what what was it that caused them to buy the book in the first place? Yeah, kind of.
0: I mean, <laughs> that's one of the things. So at this scale, like where where I'm at right now, I mean, I've only sold $20,000 worth of the book. It's a, it's a lot you know, for my first thing ever, so I'm excited about that. But really, it's not that much. And so one of the problems, one of the things I struggle with is I don't. I I don't have time or resources to, to to put into figuring out these kinds of things. Like yeah. I I I have some idea. So I anyway, I'm a little frustrated with that. Like I don't I don't really know some of the marketing stuff that I've done, I don't know exactly like how or when somebody went through all of the stuff I have set up and then ended up buying. I have kind of a guess, but that's about all I've got. But I, I will say that usually when people buy the complete package, which there haven't been too many, I don't know exactly how many, um, maybe fifty or something like, okay. something like that. I look up their email address um, and see, like, you know, try and figure out what company they work for. And so the complete package is pretty predictable. That was. Um, it's what I thought. It's it, it was design agencies for the most part. Hmm. People that work in agencies um, are buying it because that's that's what I had in mind when I was writing the book was, you know, smaller to, to medium-sized design agencies that they have to be big enough that they break out the roles into designer and front-end developer. Yeah. Uh, and so they're trying to make this transition to doing responsive design, which means that Everybody's got to get more into the code, yeah. So that that was pretty much what I thought would happen. So that I think that pricing and my marketing copy led to yeah those those kinds of people buying, buying yeah. It. But then the rest, the other packages were quite a, a little bit more of a mixed bag. And also then my newsletter. So I've got an idea for uh, for like what my newsletter is, is made of, um, like who you know what what people on my newsletter do. What I learned from that because I, I ran a survey. I just sent them a link to a survey because I was like, "All right, I'm mystified." I was just getting a little bit frustrated because I didn't know who was on my list. Like, who are these people? I don't understand, you know. Um, yeah. So I sent out a, a link to a survey, and and I got a you know a couple hundred responses, and that I learned I learned that um, uh, my list is a lot more technically proficient than I realized. Mm. So I have mostly web developers, people that come from my direction of things instead of. Oh, design. really.
1: Yeah. So you, you, it ended up being that a lot of your customers are web developers. Where and you thought it would be web designers.
0: I did. Yeah, I thought it would be designers and like small to medium sized agencies. Um, but the the people that bought the book and the other video package were a mix, just a crazy mix. So um, and I think that my list and my customers reflect where like my guest blog posts hit. So, like, um, and, and who linked to me. Uh, so, there are a couple, like, CSS tricks. Chris Coyier linked to me a, a couple times and mentioned me a couple times and did an interview for the book. And so, a lot of the people on my list, the customers, overlap with his stuff. And that's a more technical um, audience. And it was, so I, I think it, that it had more to do with that. And then also, the kinds of things that I wrote about um, were technical. And it was like, it was nothing I could do about it. I, 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 It would just naturally, I ended up writing more technical things, you know, so that I would have made more money if I'd targeted, you know, web developers to begin with and made something something for them because it's so much easier for me, apparently, to
1: market. (laughs) All right, I'm just going to break in here. Remember I was talking about ProductPeople.club, that's www.productpeople.club. Well, the full version of this interview in video is going to eventually be available there, so that's a little uh, heads up as to part of what Product People Club is going to be about. You're going to be able to watch the full, I think it was an hour and a half With Sean, we actually went through um, shared screens and went through a lot of his process, a lot of the steps he took to build and launch and test, uh, validate, all those things, this idea for sketching with CSS. So if you haven't already, go to productpeople.club, sign up for the waiting list, and you'll hear when we launch. Exactly. Cool. Well, this has been really helpful, Sean. Thanks so much uh, for sharing your process that I really I like the fact that you have this history of trying some things before that didn't work and then you it's just helpful because I think we've all been there where we've tried some things and then being able to kind of explain how you found this audience and then kind of determined why they might be a good audience and then did that research and then offered the solution and then kind of went through the whole process of writing and launching the book. Really helpful.
0: Great. That's awesome. I'm glad it was
1: helpful. <laughs> so if you want to uh, check in with Sean, you can go to sketchingwithcss.com and uh, check out the book for sure. And uh, anything, anywhere else you'd like people to find you on the Internet?
0: Yeah, on Twitter, at sfiorito which nobody can
1: spell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I overlay the actual video with that. With your Twitter <laughs> <head off. laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome, well thanks again, Sean. Okay, great, thanks Justin. Big thanks to Sean for coming on the show. Again, you can follow him at S-F-I-O-R-I-T-T-O on Twitter. He also has a great free Flexbox tutorial. Go to sketchingwithcss.com slash flexbox-tutorial. You can follow me, Justin, on Twitter at mijustin. You can check out my blog, JustinJackson.ca. Hey, if you haven't done it already, go to iTunes, find the show, just search Product People, and leave us a nice review that really helps the show get noticed, helps other people find the show, and the more people that find the show, the more people we have building products, and that is a good thing. So give us a review on iTunes, share the show with your friends, follow us on Twitter at Product People TV, okay? All right, I'll see you next Thursday. Oh. And go check out my buddies, striker striker-metal.com. This is, what track are we listening to right now? Uh, darn it. Can't stop the rush. All right? Okay, see you later.